0: guys, welcome into an episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Eric Dean. Here we are sitting in an empty ball arena following the 7-2 victory over the Nashville Predators in Game 1. Obviously a great game from the... Home team and a a great first period, Arif. I want to get started this convers. I want to start this conversation. Sorry, it's getting late here in the arena. We're not used to these post game podcasts, but that's what we're doing for the playoffs here. We're gonna get used to them. Yeah, exactly. But I wanted to start this podcast with a quick conversation on the crowd because it was such a nice, I guess, change of pace. Right. I mean, it's not nice. yeah, that's, nice. That's nice. the only word you could think I'm gonna of. I'm going to go with nice because all year long, <laughs> right, you and I, especially early on in the season, we're looking at each other and saying, like, w- where's this crowd today? Why is there no energy? And today, ten times the energy we've even seen in, in maybe the loudest game during the regular season. So props to all the fans in the
1: arena tonight. I legitimately got chills each and every single time the crowd erupted. It was loud. It was crazy. Right now, obviously, the fans are gone. It's an empty ball arena, but, you know, everybody, all the the workers here are cleaning up, and I just see white palms everywhere. It's palm season, baby, and it's my favorite time of the year. It was incredible from the opening face-off, even before the opening face-off, to the McKinnon goal, to the Taves goal, and then it just kind of ran away from there. That first period really helped keep the crowd engaged. Uh, five goals, obviously. It was just so great. Like I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's the first playoff game with 18,000 fans at Ball Arena since before it was even called Ball Arena. It was a 2019 second round against the San Jose Sharks. And if this is what we're going to see all playoffs, then man, that thing that they put on the Jumbotron that says you are the home ice advantage is a legitimate thing. Like it's going to be incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, looking at that first period, it really feels like you saw the tale of two completely different teams, at least mindset wise right <laughs> yep. I mean the avalanche came out, they were buzzing. It just looked like the, the Nashville predators just weren 't prepared for the playoff style hockey they were about to play. It looked like they were trying a little bit too hard to make those hits, missing on a lot of hits in the first period. I think they kind of resurrected that a little bit as the game went on, but they, they were just trying way too hard to come in and smash some bodies and Maybe lost track of the puck a little bit and the Avalanche were able to just skate right around them. They were out hitting them. They were making plays where they need to. And most of all, they were scoring goals and and getting David Riddick out of the game.
1: Yeah, I think you tweeted this in the first period that Nashville had missed so many hits that they were hitting their boards more than they were hitting Avalanche players. Like they were hitting themselves into the boards. And 100%. it was very strange. Like they came into this game. It seems like they kind of over overcoached this idea or overthought this idea of like, we are the more physical team. We are the team that should be coming out here and laying out the hits that they just kind of, like you said, they tried to hit anything and everything and it was screwing up their game. Like, yes, they outhit the Avalanche, what? 59 to 47, but what did it really do for them? Like, it was a very strange game where like their hits weren't quality hits that were separating plays from the players from the puck that were, you know, leading to scoring chances or anything. It was simply throwing your body around because we're the more physical team and that's what we do. And the Avalanche were on the other side like, okay, we're the more skilled team and we score goals and that's what we do and that's what we're going to do. So they they matched the intensity of the Predators and then they scored seven goals and Nashville just really had no answer for that.
0: Irresponsible hits just for the sake of hitting, it seems like, right? Um, Let's get into the depth a little bit. Of course, 10 Avalanche players recording a point tonight led by the Stars, right? I mean, we saw K.O. McCarr with three assists, three points. Or no, excuse me, with... A goal and two assists, three points. We saw McKinnon with two goals, one assist, three points. And, of course, Miko Rantanen with three points. But there were points allotted across the lineup. The depth was really present today.
1: It was. It's it's kind of, you know, the highlight of the depth scoring to me was that Andrew Cogliano goal. That veteran presence that on the penalty kill was just relentless on the forecheck. Got the puck away from Ekholm. Took the initial shot. Scored on the rebound on, on David Riddick. Uh, just an incredible play by him, Arturi. You know his first goal, actually, I, sh- I should say, his first goal with the Avalanche. He played 18 regular season games and had one single assist, and he comes out and scores a goal in his first playoff game. Arturi Lekkinen had a goal. You also saw Valerie Nichushkin have an assist. Sam Girard got an assist. I think I spoke a couple weeks ago about how he only had like two assists in like his last 20 something. Regular season game, so it was nice to see Gerard get on the board. Nazim Kadri was sick and came back and had an assist. Gabe Landeskog hadn't played in 23 games, enters the lineup one goal, one assist. Just everybody was pitching in, and it was just great to see.
0: Let's go back to the Cagliano goal, right? Obviously, a great goal, but. The sad news coming after the game I and mean, we, we saw it during the game that he left and uh, did not return upper body injury. It sounds like it's a, a little bit more severe than I guess we're comfortable with. He might miss a game or two if not more. Yeah. Um, but yeah that takes a, a big hit to the penalty kill. He's really contributed there. Like you said he hasn't really put up many points but the penalty kill is really where you'll feel that.
1: Yeah and uh, I am a little bit I, I do like the fact that Jared, you know, kind of described his injury as day to day. Maybe that's a playoff thing where we're never going to really say week to week or he's going to miss time in the playoffs. Um, I mean, granted, Nashville starting goalie, UC Sorrows, hasn't played in a few weeks here. Um, he's missing games one and two. If you ask me, he's probably not coming in in this series at all. And uh, Nashville still isn't really announcing that so maybe the day-to-day thing means longer than day-to-day but that's just kind of the way you do it in the playoffs but regardless it is kind of a blow to the avalanche but This is why we're talking about depth. Mm -hmm. You know, I I did see the tweets that were coming in of, ah, the team was healthy for 40 minutes. They're cursed. (laughs) They're cursed. It's the playoffs. You saw the hits that Nico Sturm was taking. He left the game at one point. looks like his elbow took it. He got a cross-check to the elbow right around where there was no pads. He took a hit in the corner of the boards behind Darcy Kemper in the second period, I believe it was, or in the third period behind uh, Ingram, I think it was. So there was quite a few physical plays. And that's what's going to happen in the playoffs. You're not going to have every player play every single game in your Stanley Cup playoff run. And this is where the depth comes in. Logan O'Connor and Alex Newhook sat this game voluntarily by the coach. He made the decision to sit two incredible players in Alex Newhook and in Logan O'Connor.
0: Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with it is is you've got the options, and you hate to see injuries, but if you're going to see them, you'd rather them happen to the depth of the lineup, right? I mean, thank goodness you didn't see any of the top guys go down, and you have replacements for those guys down low. In fact, that's what you worked this entire season to build, replacements and depth and guys waiting in the wing just in case scenarios like this happen. So not too worried about it. It It is a bummer to see guys go down, but it's such a luxury to see the avalanche have those guys that can step right back in so excited to see what jared bednar goes for in game two probably somebody like logan o'connor considering the physicality of it i would like to see new hook just because i think he's ready to make that leap into you know really becoming a goal scorer why not get a few done in the playoffs but
1: let's get really quick really quick before you move on from andrew cogliano i i like very badly want to shout out both andrew cogliano and darren helm um, the Avalanche for these last few years, they've been good and then they go to the playoffs and they're good in the playoffs. Obviously, they don't make it out of the second round, but they've never had those veteran pieces. I think the last time they had a true veteran like these two guys I, – I mean you can argue Pierre-Edward Belmar, but he's not of the same ilk. The last time they've had a true veteran like either of these guys – was Danny Briere, And Danny Briere didn't mm-hmm. play playoff hockey with the Avalanche. So to have Andrew Cogliano, a grizzled vet who's been around, who's been on long playoff runs, who was part of that Dallas team that really you know destroyed the Avalanche a couple of years ago. Darren Helm, who played so many years with the Red Wings and played so many playoff series and was a big piece of that team. To see those guys coming here, it's it's like it's just what the doctor ordered. Logan O'Connor is a great forward, and he's gonna be for a long time. Alex Newhook is likely gonna be a star in this league. But to have the veterans like Cagliano and Helm when it matters most in the playoffs, and to see them step up both of them the ways they did. Darren Helm had an incredible takeaway there at the blue line in the first period. Uh, he was nine and nine of 15 on the faceoff circle, winning nine of 15 draws. Kind of, you know out of nowhere he didn't really he wasn't really taking faceoffs all year and then jared bedner calls on him because of nico Sturm kind of not feeling right after his injury earlier which he also called upper body um so was great to see both those guys step up it's it's just what the doctor ordered and i can't stress enough how much i think joe sackick valued the idea of bringing in veterans like that and he brought one in in the offseason one at the trade deadline and you know we're only one game in but it paid off immensely
0: yeah darren home taking 15 draws tonight winning nine of them and then you saw Cagliano with only four minutes and 38 seconds of ice time two shots on goal you look up and down the avalanche lineup only one player didn't manage a shot on goal tonight Nicholas Obekubel for the avalanche meanwhile nine players from Nashville did not manage a shot and you can
1: argue Obekubel had a damn good game too Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed so without looking at your game sheet I you know are we are we going to talk about the physicality now let's let's move over to not quite yet I was I was going to
0: start with second period adjustments right let's go in a little chronological order because We definitely saw a little bit of an adjustment or just maybe comfort, right? Jared Bednar kind of credited to comfort in the Nashville Predators settling into the game because you saw the dominant first period out of Colorado. Then we come out for the second period. It was 11-10 in shots for Nashville, a 1-1 game. That makes me think towards the future, right? All right, obviously the Predators can handle the avalanche in some sense. You wipe away that first period. This game was a pretty close and decent game, so... Do you anticipate moving forward, game two, game three, game four, maybe the Nashville Predators don't get quite blown out of the building like we saw tonight and maybe keep this series a little tighter than we're expecting?
1: I mean – even with the discrepancy in talent here between the Avalanche and Predators, I mean, not necessarily talent, but just in overall, like, skill and team build, um, it's still hard to blow a team out that many times in a row. Like, when the Avalanche blew out the Arizona Coyotes in games four and five after Darcy Kemper stood on his head for the Coyotes a couple years ago, that was, that was rare in itself. You don't often see it. So, and would I be surprised if it happens again? Not really, but... Do I expect it? Absolutely not. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing that I saw in the second and third period, I mean, obviously, Connor Ingram played a heck of a lot better than David Riddick did. Ingram faced 32 shots in, uh, you know, 45 minutes, I want to say. Yeah, 44, 56. He faced 32 shots, which is crazy. And he made 30 saves. Um, but the biggest thing for the for me is going to the second period up 5 nothing. It's hard to call it an even game from there on out because the Avalanche don't have much to play for at that point. Uh, they're they're not going to push and press as hard. There was that one play, may have been in the first period, where uh, Nathan McKinnon was relentless on the forecheck. He pokes the puck away from the defenseman, and he's got a wide-open look to the net, and David Riddick comes skating all the way out of the net, or maybe it was Ingram, whichever one of them it was. The goalie comes skating all the way out to nearly the blue line to poke the puck away. Him and Nathan McKinnon were both racing for the puck, and it could have been a collision. And you saw McKinnon kind of go for it, go for it, go for it until he's, you know, pretty much noticed that, you know, I'm probably not going to get this. Let me. He made the safe play. He made the safe play. He health kind of, wise, physically he kind of safe. Stayed, like he he leaned off a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not going to go in all in on. I'm not going to go all in on this. We're up four nothing or five nothing, whatever the hell it was at the time. Uh, that's the difference. When you come to the second period, up five nothing, you're you're not going to have another five goal period. You don't have as much to play for as the other team does.
0: Yeah, just funny, looking back at the season, right, this is exactly who this team was. I mean, coming out, one huge period, and then just kind of a 50-50 game from there on out, you know, just depending on which period they pick. But yeah, let's get into the physicality, because you get into that third period, and that's really what the story was there, right? Especially there at the end, we saw Landis Scott getting in the mix, we saw a little bit of Bo and Byram, and then of course, um, a couple misconducts here and there, so how did you like the physicality of the game? I think Colorado really handled it well in the beginning. Maybe let it get to their heads a little bit towards the end of the game. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they look like the bigger guys walking away from the game.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, like Bednar said, like Landeskog said, it was expected. Um, and it's something that's going to happen when you're up that many goals in a game. In a regular season game, Landeskog mentioned this, in a regular season game it happens. But what I'm going to say is in a playoff game, it's going to happen even more because Nashville knows they're facing the avalanche again in two days and in four days and in six six days and to be determined games five, six and seven potentially as well. So they're going to come out here and they're going to send a message in the second and third period. They're going to try to beat you. If you can't beat them, beat them up. It's, it's, you know, it's the common theme in hockey and you always see it, especially when you're losing by that many goals. Without looking at your game sheet, though, I do want to take this conversation somewhere. Two players on the Avalanche had zero hits out of their 47. One of them was Cogliano. Can you make a guess of who the second one was? No. All right. The second one was Nazem Kadru. So I have a couple theories here. One of them I've been tweeting all night. The second one is he's sick and just wasn't himself. The Predators were trying to get to Nazem Kadru. There was a couple plays there. Luke Cunnan at the end of the second period in that play that led to the Lekanen and Tomasino 10-minute misconducts and a Josh Manson minor for roughing. Luke Cunnan was behind the boards while Lekanen and all the other guys were tied up on one side. He was behind the goalie on the other side, goading Kadri into a fight, putting his gloves up in his face, kind of pushing and shoving each other back and forth, about ready to drop the gloves with Kadri or, you know, try to goad Kadri into doing something stupid. And... Within a blink of an eye, Josh Manson body slams Luke Cunning down to the ice, grabs him by the head, takes him down, and just says no. So we saw that, and then we saw it in the third period again when Olivier takes down Landeskog at the crease when that whole skirmish was happening. And as he's skating to the bench, Olivier that is, Matthew Olivier for the Predators, as he's skating to the bench, he grabs Kadri from behind him and starts tugging on his jersey and just starts talking shit into his ear, once again trying to goad Kadri into it. Peter and I talked about the article he wrote the other day, his playoff reputation and trying to make sure that, that that doesn't hinder him once again for the fourth time in five years. I genuinely think, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm not questioning Kadri's you know, ability and style, but I feel like maybe there was a bit of, especially when you're up 5 nothing, there was a bit of, let's take a little bit of a backseat on the physicality kind of mentality from Nazem Kadri to make sure that it doesn't lead to anything. Or it could have just been that he's sick and uh, you know couldn't play the same physical game he always plays. But the fact that Nazem Kadri has no hits in a game that was full of them, had over 100 of them, is pretty interesting to me. And I think that the Predators know very well exactly what we all know about Nazem Kadri, And they're trying to goad him. They're trying to get to him. And Kadri wouldn't let it happen. He was super disciplined, like Jared Bednar said at the end. What was it? It's not about ego. It's about winning the game cadre had that discipline he didn't let his ego get to him and the avalanche and their teammates all knew that they're going to stand up for him and that's what josh manson did
0: yeah absolutely i think we saw it across the board too right you saw kale mccarr i mean obviously he's not going to get into a fight but ryan johansson was trying to egg him on a little bit Um, i think you saw bowen byram trying to get egged on a little bit he kept his cool so i think the avalanche did a really good job of just not crossing the line staying focused at at the task at hand just playing a physical. Frustrating game, and that's exactly what happened. Nashville was frustrated, tried to get them to cross the line, and they refused to play that game. So I think props to the to the mindset of the team there on that
1: one. Yeah, they knew it was coming, and they handled it about as well as you you can. Uh, hopefully, nobody else comes out of this injured outside of Cogliano, and hopefully, even he has a has has a chance to play in game two. But obviously, we'll see on that. Um, lots going on here, but uh, I think the Avalanche did a good job all in all in responding, especially given the fact that they were up 5 nothing after 20 and 6-1 after 40. You knew Nashville was going to come at you hard physically.
0: Yeah, and I guess any uh, doubts that anybody had out there about the way the Avalanche were playing in the last month of the season can now be laid to rest, right? Coming <sighs> out and playing... Uh, That good of a game in game one in the playoffs, I think, really sends a message across the NHL (laughs) that this team's still here and and not
1: not to be messed with. And it was led by playoff Nate. Look, I know know McKinnon scored a lot of goals to end the season, and I know he scored two goals tonight here in game one, but it wasn't just the goals. That relentless forecheck, again, I'm not going to sit here and act like McKinnon mills it in during the regular season, but how many times do you see him do that in the regular season Mm -hmm. ever, Mm -hmm. if even ever? Playoff Nathan McKinnon is a true form of art that is just incredible and we saw that tonight it was just so fun to see uh Landis Gog missing 23 games and looking like he didn't skip a damn beat Kale McCarr, Miko Rantanen is just top to bottom man Nichushkin was on the top line Landis was playing with Kadri and Lekanen it's just something about this team this year they they, they look so good and that game kind of Brought it all together for you.
0: Yeah, and I know we've been pumping the tires of these two guys for a while now, but the Nichushkin and Lekkanen, I mean, just having those guys out there on the ice, they made themselves oh, felt, so they fruit. made an impact. And, um, yeah, just having those guys one after another, right, one line and then the second line, uh, is just going to keep creating problems for teams. Yeah, round,
1: round here we call them Val and Mini-Val.
0: Yeah, I know. You...
1: According to Coach Bednar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, right on. Well, I think that's all we really have to get to for this game. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what to expect from... Nashville coming into game two. I think they've got a situation on their hands goalie-wise. Hopefully, for their sake, they are probably want UC Saros back sooner than later, but who knows if they're going to get it. So, um, yeah, I guess last thing we really want to touch on is the Matt Duchesne thing, right? <laughs> Two goals. Um, I was waiting for that. And of course, the, the, the moment that made us all giggle is as the crowds... We
1: weren't giggling. We were legitimately <laughs> cracking up yeah. in the press box to the sounds of, Duchesne sucks, <laughs> Duchesne sucks, red light goes on, Duchesne scores and just skates to the bench like, fuck you, 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 and you. Like, literally, that's not... I-, I know he was thinking it in his head as he was skating his way to the bench to 18,091 people changing his name.
0: Yeah, you know if they weren't down five... He wanted so badly to put his hand up to his ear and be like, What? What's that? What's that?
1: I... I don't think Duchesne likes to cheer big for goals <laughs> when his team is
0: losing by a lot. He loves big cheer, <laughs> um, but yeah, two goals from him, two assists out of uh, Mikhail Granlund, one out, of, one assist out of Matt Benning, and one out of Ryan Johansson. And, really, and an ineffective yeah, offense. There is
1: another guy, Matt Benning, that was not making any friends. He was the one that sent Nico Sturm to the locker room for a little bit. Obviously, Sturm ended up finishing the game, just couldn't take faceoffs, and uh, he was the one that also hurt Andrew Cogliano.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Nick Cousins was really a problem for Colorado. I think he was getting in their heads a little bit kind of being that agitator role and doing it well he was really involved in a lot of stuff so let's look at um i guess how he affects the rest of the series if at all because
1: yeah he was he was the one trying to get bone byram right there late in the third period and uh he
0: just always seemed to be around the scrums whenever it's his, they were. yeah
1: that's his role that's what he does and the avalanche have a lot of those guys and they have one in logan o'connor that's not even playing like mm-hmm. uh, obviously abe kubel brings the same game and he was in the lineup but the avalanche have the answers and the responses to those guys as well Well, right on. I guess this is a good place to uh, cut it short here.
0: Just a little post-game pod. Of course, don't forget our friends over at Total Beverage. Check them out. We'll do the long read in the longer version of the podcast. I don't have it in front of me here at Ball Arena, but good friends over there at Total Beverage. We love them, and we love every single one of you listeners, so thanks for hanging out with us here on this post-game edition of the podcast as we watch the ice get zambonied and get ready for game two. So hope this uh, uh, crowd has as much energy for game two. I hope everybody... Um, has as much fun in game two as they did in game one. And uh, yeah, your closing thoughts before
1: we wrap it up? Yeah, I'm going to read the uh, lead to my story today, which is where this podcast will be plugged into if you're looking for it on Mile High Sports, because this kind of epitomizes the night as a whole. And I was very proud of it too in the first sold out playoff game at ball arena in three years the avalanche matched the energy of the crowd and it was just epic the crowd was on the avalanche were on that first period was so much fun sent a lot of chills down my spine and i'm excited for thursday
0: yeah i mean the crowd at the beginning of the game literally had the hairs on my arms and my legs and everywhere else because i'm a hairy guy i'm from spain standing on their end so um, i hope they bring that same energy on uh, game two but yeah thanks for hanging out with us everybody if you made it this far in the podcast couldn't have been that hard but bless your heart anyway let's make hockey for everyone and we got you